So if you have any more questions about that, um, that's really all there is to it. Um, just see me afterwards. Uh, we're starting. We had gone through Jude. We went through Ruth. We went through uh, the book of Jonah. And as I told you before, we're going to go back and forth between what's called expository preaching, where you just walk through the book of the Bible, uh, and then topical preaching, which is just when we feel like God has impressed a certain idea on us, then we're going to expound on that idea or thought. And so, again, we've done Ruth, Jonah, and uh, Jude, and so... Uh, in praying about this, we really felt like the attributes of God, the attributes of God was something to expand on. And so we're going to go through over the next few weeks and talk about the attributes of God. We're going to go back and forth. Now, don't let me lose you. We're going to go back and forth between the attributes of God that are communicable and non-communicable. Uh, and all that means is that there are certain attributes of God, non-communicable, which means that we can't even aspire to it. We can't be like uh, God in this way, um, or like how God is sovereign, the fact that God is sovereign, that he is in complete control. That's nothing that we can aspire to, that nothing that we can be like. It's only a point of worship and admiration for him and to him. Uh, but then the fact that God is loving that God is loving, uh, that would be a communicable trait. It's something that we can aspire to and something that we can go towards. And so uh, today we're starting off with a communicable trait. God, uh, my favorite, my, my very favorite, if I had to pick a trait, a thing about God that I love the most, it is that God is faithful. God is so faithful. Uh, to the point that if he weren't, we wouldn't be here. If we weren't, if he weren't faithful, this room would be completely empty. And I don't mean from the standpoint of that, oh, you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be at all. You wouldn't be at all. If, if he weren't, if he held back his faithfulness from us, uh, we wouldn't be here. God is so faithful. In the book of Revelations, when, God, when Jesus is talking to John, He's talking to John in the book of Revelations. And Jesus says to John, in, in a moment of describing himself, when Jesus chooses to describe himself to John, two things Jesus says about himself. He says, I am faithful and I am true. And so I, I find that noteworthy that Jesus, when going to describe himself, the first word that he would use is to say, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty faithful. I'm pretty faithful. It's a lot of things I am, but I am pretty faithful. And so we're going to talk about that today. Uh, God is faithful. Um, but before we even get into that, let's pray. Dear God, we thank you. We thank you, God, for this opportunity uh, to, to speak to your people, um, for this chance to meet. Uh, we thank you, God, that you would meet us in this place. God, we ask that you forgive us of our sins right now. God, wash us. Please, Father, wash us. God, our Father, wash us with your forgiveness. And God, if there's anything, any thought, uh, anything, God, that would 
stop us, block us from hearing from you, God. We ask that you would remove that right now in the name of Jesus. God, we ask that you dominate this time. Dominate this time, God. Fill this place with your presence, with your spirit in the name of Jesus. Fill this place with your presence, God. And we ask that you speak to us today. Uh, we need to hear from you. I humble myself before you. Um, my thoughts uh, mean nothing. There's nothing that I can say or do to help anybody, God. But if you speak, God, a life will be changed. And so our expectation is to you. Uh, as David said, as the deer pants after water, uh, God, my heart pants after you. Uh, we need you, God. Speak to us today. And we thank you for it in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to talk about God's faithfulness, but we cannot talk about God's faithfulness without talking about how constant he is. See, the fact that God is faithful is only an overflow of the fact that he's constant. And that he's not just faithful for the sake of being faithful, but he's faithful. One of the reasons that he's faithful is because he is constant and unchanging. And so the first thing I want to let you know is that we serve a constant and unchanging God. Isaiah 48, uh, Isaiah 40 and 8 uh, reads as thus, and this is going to be kind of our launching point. Isaiah says that the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. And so God is saying in this verse, the grass withers, the flower fades, but I stand forever. I stand forever. Look at the world compared to me. Look at how much the world, and this is what God is saying to us. Look at how much the world is changing, and I don't. We live in a world that is constantly changing. Everything about our world, everything about the world that we live in is constantly, constantly changing. The earth, as it will, is spinning while it's revolving. Spinning while it's revolving. It's constantly in a state of change. It's constantly in a state of perceived chaos. And so it is no, it is no doubt, uh, no, regardless of that, and because of that, everything in it is changing. Food spoils. Milk goes bad. Everything changes. Seasons change. One day it's hot. The next day it's cold. One day you get up and it's, well, not here. I was going to say it's snowing. Somewhere else it snows. And a few months later, it's blazing hot. The earth that we live in is constantly, constantly changing. Everything is changing. People change. One day somebody likes you. The next day they don't. One day somebody is your best friend and, and in your face every day and then in, on your, you're on their Facebook favorite list and, and the next day you're deleted because people change. People change. People are constantly changing. And even you, you change. You change. 
There was a day when you were younger, you used to be younger, and you used to cry every time somebody told you to take a nap. Then you get older and you, you'll pay money. You pay money for, for five minutes, just five minutes of uninterrupted silence. There was a day when you used to want somebody to think that you were older. You used to want people to think. It used to be a compliment. Somebody said, oh, man, you, oh, I thought you was, I thought you was 23. I, you know, I thought, oh, you 17? I thought you was 20. Oh, that's a compliment. That's a compliment. That same thing caused you to sl- will cause you to slap somebody 10 years go by. <laughs> 10 years go by, somebody tells you, oh, oh what is somebody, you 50? Oh, oh, you 50? I thought you was 60. <laughs> you look so good. You look so good. But it's because we change. We change. People who have pale skin or light skin are paying money, going places to sit in a, and I don't even understand it, going places to sit, sit in a, in, in put lights on you and so that you can be darker. I don't, I don't get it. Dark people uh, want to be, want to have lighter skin. Big people. Big people want to be skinny, trying to lose weight, paying money, Jenny Craig, and all these different types of things just to lose weight. Skinny people eating peanut butter at night, trying to lose weight, trying to gain weight. We're changing, we're changing. Even your taste buds change. Science says every, uh, I think it's every five to seven years, your taste buds change. One day you like mashed potatoes, and, uh, and time goes by, you don't like mashed potatoes anymore. One day you like this, and, and time goes by, and you don't like this anymore. And so everything is changing. We live in a world that is constantly changing. We are constantly changing. The Bible says that from a day, from a day a man is born, he is headed to the grave. That from the time you're born, you're aging and changing. You're headed to the grave. Everything about this world and even we that are in it is changing. And in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that, we serve a God who does not change. He is the only thing. He is the only one who is constant and does not change. The Bible says when he was talking to Moses and Moses said to God, who should I say sent me? And he said, tell, tell Pharaoh. That's a good question, Moses. Tell Pharaoh, I am sent you. I am. God is bragging on himself a little bit. He's saying to Moses, I don't even have past tense. I don't have tenses. I, I can't really say that I was. You or I could say that we were doing this and then we stopped or we're doing something right now and then we're not going to be doing it. But God isn't that way. He has no past tense. He, it's not that he was. He was what he was and what he is and what he will be is exactly the same thing. And so it is a point of worship just to know that God doesn't change. In a world where everything is changing, that God doesn't change. God doesn't change. Hebrews 6 says that God cannot lie. That we have this as an anchor for our soul that God cannot lie. It's not even about integrity. 
He cannot lie. He can't change. He can't say this one day and then do something else the next day. He can't do it. He cannot lie. He has to stay the same. One of my favorite verses or passages of scripture is when Jesus tells that Jesus is talking to the people and they said, are you greater than Abraham? And Jesus says to them, he said, before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Abraham came on the scene, lived a life, and he died. And he said, how can you put your faith? And he's, and he's trying to let them know you can't put your faith in a person. People come on the scene, they're born, they live, and then they die. How are you going to anchor yourself to a person? How are you going to put your faith and your trust and your hope in a person who's going to live and then die? And so he says to them, before Abraham was, I am. And even to this day, to those of you today, he's still saying, before Obama was, I am. Before Trump was, I am. Jeremiah in the 10th chapter calls him the eternal king. That he, he was ruling, he ruled yesterday, he's still ruling today, and he'll be still, still be in complete control 100 years from now. It's crazy to me how people get all angry and put their trust in people. Seeing people fight over, I was watching the news one time, I saw people were fighting over uh, a guy. It was, it was at a rally and uh, there were some Trump supporters and some Obama supporters and they, and they were fighting each other just because of a person, over a person that you would put your trust and, and, and your beliefs in, in everything into a person. And that needs to go into God. The eternal king. Job 38, another one of my favorite passages when Job, uh, Job is questioning God and he's angry with God and he's saying all these things and then God comes back at him and he says, let me, he literally says to Job, let me ask you some questions and let's just see if you know the answers. Just shout them out when you know them. Job 38, he says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? When I decided, when I decided how long and how wide and, and how it would move and how it would exist. Well, he said, when I literally, the day that I decided how the earth would work, that gravity would bring things down and keep it close. When, he, when God is literally making these decisions about the earth, he asked Joe, where were you? The eternal king asked him, where were you? He said, where were you when I told the sea here and no further? He said, where were you when I taught, when I taught the stars where to stand in the sky? Literally, where, when I taught this, it's not just that he placed the stars in the sky, it's that he taught them. Which means the stars are moving around. He said, hey, stay, move one more time. You twinkle one more time. The Bible says in, in Job 38 that he dressed the earth with the clouds. The Bible says that heaven is his throne and earth is his footstool. 
This is the God that we serve. God is constant, never changing, never ending. He has no beginning and he has no end. Has no beginning and he has no end. He is constant and unchanging. And this constant and unchanging God enters into a relationship and he's faithful. No wonder he is faithful. It is, the, it is the trait about God that I admire the most. It is the thing, the one thing about God above all things. God is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's all-powerful. All these different things. I can name a hundred things about God, a hundred different traits about God. The thing that I admire the most is that God is faithful to us. Being in relationship with God is unlike being is unlike any other kind of relationship. It is unlike any other kind of relationship. We're used to being in relationships where the Bible says that if a man wants to, if a man desires friends, he has to be friendly. Okay? The Bible says that if a man desires friends, he has to be friendly. In other words, if you don't present yourself as being friendly to people, they're not going to be friendly back to you. Nobody's going to commit themselves to somebody who's being mean to you. And so that's how our relationships with people work. That how they treat you is dependent on the things that you do. These are the relationships that we have, that how we act decides how they act. That if I'm in a relationship with someone, I can almost control what they do by the things that I do. If I slap you right now, if I just pick somebody and, and come up to you and slap you, I got a pretty good guess as to what you'll do next. If I loan you some money, if I loan you $10 and then a month from now I need $10, I got a pretty good guess as to what you would do in that situation. Most likely you'll give me $10 too because I did it for you. And so in every relationship, it is completely dependent upon what you do. God is the only one, the only relationship. Being in relationship with God is unlike any other relationship that you have. Because God, being constant as he is, refuses to go with the ebb and flow that you do. And so just because you're acting up, just because you're tripping today, God's not going to do the same thing to you. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that he is faithful even when we are faithless. Even when we are not faithful to him, he's still faithful to us. Even when we pay him no mind, even when we see him and go the other way, the Bible says he still comes after us. Now, nobody jumped up out of their seat and nobody went crazy when I said that. But that's an amazing thing. Because we are faithful to what we need. And this is what blows my mind about God. I am faithful to what I need. Yesterday, I was sick all day 
every hour, uh, every, every three or four hours. The thing, well, it said four hours, but I was feeling real bad, so I took something every two or three. And I was faithful to it. I mean, 9 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I'm taking them in. I don't even like medicine. I hate taking it. Because, but I was faithful to the process. Why? Because I needed it. We are faithful to what we need. Why do you go to your job every day even though you don't like the person you work for? You go there every day. Every day you get up at the crack of dawn to get there and drive all the way across town, fight traffic, people cussing you out. Go through all that and to get there on time and you don't even like the person. Why? Because you need it. We are faithful to what we need. But the thing that blows my mind about God is that God is faithful to me. And he is faithful to you. But guess what? God don't need us. God does not need us. God has no need of us. There is nothing I can do for God that he can't do for himself. There is nothing, not one thing that I can provide to God that he can't provide for himself. It is unlike any other relationship that you have. Tessa and I in relationship, we provide things for each other that the other one cannot provide. She can cook, so I stick with her. <laughs> I ain't going nowhere. We arguments, everything, whatever. It, it, it doesn't matter. I ain't going nowhere. She can cook. Where am I, I going to go? Applebee's ain't going to marry me. <laughs> Bojangles won't take me. I've tried. Trust me. But I am faithful to her, and part of the reason I'm faithful to her or uh, driven to be faithful to her is because I do need her. I do, and she has things that I don't have, and she brings things to the table that I don't, and she can do things that I can't do for myself. The other day, other day she was out of town. It was crazy. Never went to Bojangles so many times in three days. It was ridiculous. <laughs> People's, they, I, I came in and the lady started, I, I walked in the door, I kid you not, I walked in the door and the lady said, boop, 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 boop. I said, what you doing? She said, I'm giving you the same thing you got yesterday. She said, the grilled chicken club, sweet tea, macaroni and cheese aside, right? I was a little offended. I said, yeah, you, you, you know, yeah. Ring, it, ring it up then. But we are faithful to what we need. And it's an amazing thing, an amazing thing that we have a God that is faithful to us. We slap him in the face. He's faithful to us. Most of you in this room might have not even prayed yesterday. And the Bible, you didn't even talk to him yesterday. Paid him no mind. And the Bible says that despite that, when you woke up this morning, the Bible says that there were mercies, new mercies, sitting there every morning. Every morning, he has new mercies for you, whether you talked to him yesterday or not. He remains faithful to you. He remains committed to you. He refuses to leave you alone. 
You slapped me in the face. I remember the day I, I remember the day I was going through some trouble. Uh, this was a while back. I remember, I'll never forget the day. I took my Bible and tore the pages out page by page. I'll never forget that day. It was a black Bible that had my name engraved on the front. It was a gift from someone. And I tore it out page by page, threw it in the dump. I said, God, I said, let me tell you something. I said, I ain't talking to you no more, and I ain't preaching for you no more. And you can believe that. And I said my little thing, did my neck like that, (laughs) did my head like that, and I walked off and went to my apartment. And God looked at me and said, he's just stripping. He'll be all right. He'll come back around. I thank God for the fact that his treatment of me does not depend on how I treat him. And I am here. Somebody else today, somebody uh, the other day uh, that had known me for a long time, they said, man, Derek, you uh, look at how, how good God has been to you and you're in this position. He's blessed you so much. Uh, you, he's done it because you were faithful. I said, that's a lie. That is a lie. I'm not saying that I hadn't had any faith in him or any loyalty towards him at all, but I am not here because he is faithful. Or because I am faithful. I am here. The only reason I am standing here. I tried to end it on several occasions. The only reason I am standing here today is because he was faithful to me. And I want you to know despite what we do. Yes, that's praiseworthy. Despite what you do. Despite what you say. God continues to come after you. That is an amazing thing. That's why it's so crazy to me how people play hard to get when it's time for praise and worship. Because God has been so good. So good. If If he treated you like you treated him, you'd be dead a long time ago. All of us would. All of us would. That day I did that, God could have easily cocked his hand back and, 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 and removed me from the earth. That could have been, and really, it should have been my last day. There is no reason, and, they don't, and it's not like he needs me. It's not like he looked at me and said, well, I'm going to let him stick around because I need him. He doesn't even need me. There is nothing that we can do for God that he can't do for himself. And you might say, well, well, I praise God. Jesus said he was coming through on on the day of Palms. He was coming through, and the the Bible says, Jesus said, if those refuse to praise me, the rocks will cry out. There is absolutely nothing I can do for God that he can't do for himself. He can create his own praise. Every, Every day, the birds get up. He has the birds get up and sing it to him every morning. Just because, just because he can. There is nothing that I can do for him. I can't cook for him. I can't clean for him. There is absolutely nothing that I can bring to the table that God says, well, he can do that, and I can't really do it, so I'm going to let him hang around. And despite that, despite the fact that he has absolutely no need of us, he pursues us. He pursues us. That is amazing to me. That is a point of praise for me. 
See, I pursued Sudafed all day long yesterday because I needed it. But you better believe if I didn't need it, I wouldn't have pursued it. I might not know Tessa if I could cook. That's a lie. (laughs) But we pursue what we need. And God is the only one who pursues what he doesn't even need. Pursues us and he doesn't even need us. Goes after us and he doesn't even need us. We slap him in the face and he loves us anyway. God is like the woman who knows where her husband has been all day. He's been in the street doing all kinds of different things. And when, and when, she, and when he comes home, she's just standing over, the, standing over the stove cooking for him. Getting his meal ready. Knows where he's been all day. Knows the foolishness he's been doing. And she still loves him anyway. Who would do that? If they knew that their spouse was out fooling around doing all kinds of craziness and then when you, you, you knew they were going to be home at six, you had the meal, hot meal waiting for them. Who would do that? But God continues to love us and give us grace and mercy. There is no way if God judged you by your actions, there's no way none of us should even make it home. None of us should even make it home if God judged us by your actions. The Bible, and that is why the Bible says that the love of God, I think it was Paul. Paul says that the love of God, the width and the, and the length and the height of the love of God, Paul says you can't even understand it. You can't even understand it. The Bible says that God just, he just loves us for no reason. He just loves us. He is love, and so he just loves us because he is love. And so one day, God says, well, what am I going to do with him? I'll just, I'll just love him. I'll love him. And then the next day, you do something crazy, and God says, well, well God, what are you going to do? Uh, well, I guess I'll just, I'll just love him. And he just continues to pour out his love on us despite what we do. God is faithful. The Bible says when God was talking to a prophet named Hosea and he wanted Hosea to understand how faithful he was, he said to Hosea, if you want to understand me and my relationship with my people, he said, go do this. Go out. He said, I'm going to cause you to fall in love with a hooker. And so God causes Hosea to fall in love with a prostitute. And the prostitute's name is Gomer. And so if you read the story, one of the most beautiful stories in our Bible, Hosea falls in love with Gomer, this prostitute. He brings her into his home. He cleans her up and and lavishes her, gives her everything that she needs, takes care of her. She doesn't have to worry about anything. And one day, he comes home and Gomer is gone. And so what is she doing? And as he goes to pursue her, he finds out that she's back running the streets again. And so what does Hosea do? God calls him to love her so much that he doesn't just go and get her back. The Bible says that he go, he goes and buys her back. He paid a price to get her back. 
The love, the, the faithfulness, the commitment that God has to you, it is unfathomable. We can't even really understand it. I, I, I worship God for being so faithful to me. Every day I thank him. Uh, one thing, I thank him for every day. I say, God, thank you for being so faithful to me. It is amazing how faithful you are to me. There's no reason that you should love me. The Bible says that, the Bible says this. It says the, the wages of sin is death. Which means if he, if he decided to wipe you out, if he killed you, you earned it. If he decided to, he in his, in his all-knowingness, if he just decided to wipe all of us out, right now, we all earned it. If he did that, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, which means that eternal life has not been earned. A relationship with him, there, it, we didn't, it doesn't say that the wages of sin are, uh, the wages of sin are death, but then the wages of, uh, you know, having a relationship with God is eternal life. No, 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 no. We can't earn eternal life. There is nothing that we did. To be in relationship with him, to have him love you, to you, you woke up this morning and the moment you woke up, you had activity of your limbs and you could see and hear and smell all at the same time. You did nothing, absolutely nothing to earn that. The Bible says in Jeremiah, the 18th chapter, the Bible says that he's trying to teach Jeremiah a similar lesson like he taught Hosea. And in the book of Jeremiah, he says to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house. Go down to the potter's house and watch him work on the wheel. And so in Jeremiah 18, Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house. And the Bible says that the potter worketh the clay that was on the wheel. And he's on the wheel. Raise your hand if you've ever seen a potter work clay. It's an amazing thing. If you haven't seen it. YouTube it, go somebody, go somewhere, you know, somebody who does it and watch it. it is an amazing thing. And so Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house and the potter is working the clay on the wheel. Now, I want you to know that the clay is spinning on the wheel. It's spinning on the wheel. And the only thing that is keeping the clay off of the walls is the hands of the potter. And so God says to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house and watch him as he works on the wheel. And so Jeremiah goes down there and he, the potter's on the wheel. And God says to Jeremiah, as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. Just as the clay is in the hands of the potter, so are you, my people, in my hands. And so Jeremiah, while he's watching the potter, and the only thing that's keeping the clay from splattering all over the place is that his hands are on it. And the Bible says in Jeremiah 18 that the clay was spoiled in the hands of the potter. It means that the clay messed up. It means that the clay made a mistake. It means that the clay stayed out all last night. It means that the clay hadn't prayed in two weeks. 
It means that the clay refused to talk to him. It means that the clay refused to praise him. It means that the clay was fooling around. It means that the clay refused to uh, tell the truth. It means that the clay refused to live for him and the clay was disobedient to the master. And so in seeing that the clay acted this way towards the potter, what does the potter do? It is the moment, the same moment that God was was faced with in Genesis when Adam and Eve sinned. And all of a sudden, the potter has a choice to make. The clay is cheated. The clay is faulty. The clay is done wrong in sin. And all of a sudden, the potter, the same choice that the potter has to make in Jeremiah 18 is the very same choice that God had to make in Genesis. Knowing that we sinned and done wrong, how how does he handle it? If I were the potter, I would throw the clay away and start all over and make another one just like it. If I were the potter, I would go back to my clay mound and get another lump of clay and make something even better. If I were the potter. But thank God I'm not the potter. The Bible says in Jeremiah 18 that when the, when the clay spoiled in his hands, that it remained in the hands of the potter. It says that when it's spoiled in his hands, instead of throwing it away, instead of starting all over, instead of giving up on the clay because the clay was too defiant, the potter decides to fashion it again as it seemed as it was pleasing to the potter. And when God sees our sin, when he sees our wrong, when he could have easily let you die and and got another John, he could have easily let you die, he could have easily gotten another Derek. He could have easily gotten another Sarah or Bobby or Lamar. He could have easily wiped you out and started all over. But the Bible says that the potter said, well, I'll just give him another chance. I'll just give him another chance and I'll make it again. And that is why we worship God. That he is so faithful, so faithful to us that his response to our madness is just to give us another chance. When Peter asked Jesus, how many times should we forgive? He said, should we forgive seven times? Jesus said, no, 70 times seven. 70 times 7? Are you serious? I have never forgiven anybody more than probably 10 10 or 15 times. Who among you, who in this room has forgiven somebody 70 times 7? It's almost 500. And the Bible says that we would even continue to forgive. God's faithfulness is mind-blowing. I thank God that he is so faithful to us. Let us pray. God, I thank you for your love. We thank you for uh, your faithfulness. We thank you that you uh, love us the way you do. 
God, we thank you that your response to us, even when we do wrong, even when we walk away from you, even when we turn our backs on you, you continue to love us. You continue to give us grace and mercy despite what we do. And we love you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. This audio is provided as a free ministry of Radius Church. If you would like to reproduce this audio, please feel free to do so. We ask that you do not charge for any reproductions that you make. If you would like to know more about Radius, please visit us online at radiuschurch.org or download our app from your app store.